You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From February the 7th, 2021, at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, the text is Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve him. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him, and when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. And he answered, Let us go to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Let me take an informal poll this morning. I want to find out, just from those of you gathered, how many of you feel stronger than you did say about 10 years ago. Stronger than you, okay, a couple, a few. All right, good for you, that's great, that's great. Maybe not everybody raised their hand, but whether you raised your hand or not, I wanna tell you that I know the cure for feeling weak and powerless. And I will give it to you for the low, low price of sitting through my sermon. <laughs> All right, so that's, that's the preamble here. So. In our scripture lesson today, we're in the book of Mark, and Mark moves super fast. Like, everything just happens, boom, 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 one right after the other. And so we're still in the very first chapter of Mark, and let's think back to everything that's already happened in the gospel of Mark. So Jesus um, goes to be, the other gospels start off with, um, you know, shepherds and wise men and stars and book of John and the word became flesh. Well, Mark just cuts to the chase, like he gets busy. And, and the first thing that happens in the Gospel of Mark is we find Jesus going out to be baptized by John. So Jesus is baptized, and then he goes out to the wilderness where he is tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. Then he comes back to Galilee. He calls his first disciples, Simon Peter, Andrew, his brother, then James, and James's brother, John. So the four, um, so he's called his first disciples, and then his first act of ministry is in the synagogue there in Capernaum. And he goes to the synagogue, and this was just last week, if you were here, and he does something interesting. He casts out a demon, which we could really talk about that, but we're not going to today. He casts out a demon, and the people are amazed because he speaks and acts with authority, right? Remember from last week? And so today's scripture lesson, we're still on the very first day of Jesus' public ministry. And so on this very first day, they leave the synagogue with Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John, and they go to the home of Peter and of Andrew. And when the five of them arrive, Jesus with his four disciples, they find out that Simon Peter's mother-in-law is sick, like 
pretty sick, like real sick. She's in the bed. She has a fever. And they say, Jesus, Simon's mother-in-law is in, is in bed, and she's not well. She's real sick. And so Jesus goes, and he touches her hand, and he lifts her up. The scripture says she rises up, and then she begins to serve them pizza and beer and hot wings and, and all the Super Bowl favorites, right? <clears throat> playing hostess now. She's all better. And they're amazed by this. And word begins to spread around the town of Capernaum. And for the day, it was a fairly big town, maybe 500, 1,000 people. Word begins to spread. And so at sundown, everybody, in t- and they wait to sundown because sundown is the end of the Sabbath when they're allowed to walk further than about 2,000 steps. So they wait till sundown. And then the whole town, the scripture tells us, all 500 to 1,000 people, they all gather at the home of Peter and Andrew so that they can see Jesus, so that he can cure them and cast out the demons and heal them of all their sicknesses. And so Jesus does all of that. He heals them and he casts out the demons. And apparently at some point, I don't know if somebody says, listen, God, let the man rest, right? Because at some point they all go home and then the next morning happens. And what happens first thing in the morning? Does Jesus get up and watch CNN, Fox News? He goes off to a solitary place to pray. And so that's where he is. Nobody knows where he is. And the next morning when the others are are awake and they're looking for Jesus, where, where is he? And so they go everywhere trying to find him, and they finally find him. And they say, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Come back, Jesus. They're they're so excited. And so think about the disciples and everything that's happened to them. Like they're a part of something big. They're a part of something very excited. The whole town is coming out to see them. Think about the excitement you would feel if you were one of those four disciples. They're like, everybody's looking for Jesus. Come on, they want to make you mayor. And what does Jesus say? He says, no. Let me find it here for us. He says, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. It would have been so easy for Jesus to say, they want to make me mayor? Really? Me? They want to make me? Okay, I'll, I'll stay in Capernaum and be mayor. That'd be fine. That'd be great. No. Jesus, because I believe that he spent a solitary time, just him and the Lord, he remembered his purpose. He remembered his mission. And nothing and no one could detract from that. And Jesus had a hard choice to make because there were people still in Capernaum, apparently, who needed healing. Jesus made the tough choice and said, no, that is not what I came to do. Let's go on, fellas. So I want to talk about that solitude that Jesus found that morning because I think we could look over that detail in this scripture and I think it's really important. It's almost as if that solitude that morning gave Jesus the power to do what he needed to do that day for the tough choice he would make later. And it gave him the power to remember his purpose and his mission. And we think about solitude, sometimes we may think that that's not a very good thing. Maybe we have a a, a negative perception of this word solitude, that solitude may equate loneliness, but that's not the case at all. 
Father Henry Nouwen teaches about this, and he says that there are three words that we need to understand a little bit more fully. And the first word is this, aloneness. Aloneness. And this is a neutral word, Nouwen tells us. He says this is a neutral word that we are all alone, even in a crowded room, even in a wonderful marriage, because we are all unique, we are all one of a kind, nobody else knows us or feels the things that we feel. We are all alone. That is neither positive nor negative. It's neutral. It's just the way things are. That's our human condition that we are alone. Neutral. And then, now one says, the next two words are what we do with that aloneness. How we respond to that aloneness. And so the next word now one talks about is this word over here, loneliness. This is a negative response to that neutral uh, fact of our aloneness. This is an experience of not having enough, of missing out, of feeling like there's something we, we need or we have these unmet wants and needs and so we feel lonely. And this is a dark place. It's a negative place. And we come out of this place feeling weaker. But there's a third term, another way that we can respond to our aloneness. And the third term is this. Let me make sure I have it right side up. It's solitude. Solitude is a positive response to what? Aloneness. That's right. Aloneness is the neutral Loneliness is the negative. This is the positive. And this is a positive way we can respond to the human fact that we are alone. And out of solitude, instead of focusing on our unmet wants and needs, we focus on the ways that our needs and wants are met. And this is enriching and it's empowering. It brings us joy and strength and vitality. This is a positive response to our aloneness. And so the three words, and I wish I had three hands, but I got a mouth, so we'll use it. That's it here. Right? You got the three, I had some three words. <laughs> three words. And so the question is, how are we going to respond to this human condition of our aloneness? Jesus went out that morning to seek solitude. He wasn't lonely. He was finding his place of power, his place of vitality, his place of gratitude through solitude. And Jesus was not swayed by the, the clamoring of, Jesus, come back, come back and heal, come back and do this. And he wasn't swayed because he was strong and he, he was powerful. I have a friend who um, participates in these interesting races. They're called Ride and Tie. I don't know if you're familiar <clears throat> excuse me, with these races, but he partners with his daughter in these races uh, and his horse, okay? And so the, at the beginning of the race, uh, and, and he and his daughter are a team, one of them will start off on horseback, and the other will start off on foot, on a foot race. And so the race begins, and of course the rider and the horse take off in front of the runner. Um, and about halfway through the, the wooded course, uh, the one who's riding the horse will hop off of the horse and tie the horse to a tree and then finish the race on foot. And meanwhile, the runner that was behind the horse and rider finds the horse tied to the tree, hops on the horse and finishes the, 
the, the race on the horse. It's called Ride and Tie. And he was training for this event, um, and this was a few years ago now, but I remember what, him, what he said about it. He said, I'm 45 years old, and I feel stronger than I ever have. And I thought that was pretty cool. And I remember it because it kind of inspired me to be like, yeah, yeah, just because I'm getting older doesn't mean that I have to give up on things. I can be strong. And I'm not even talking about physical strength so much here, but emotional strength and spiritual strength. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could say, you know, I'm 45 years old and I'm spiritually stronger than I ever have been. Or I'm 65 years old and I'm spiritually stronger than I ever have been. I'm 85 years old and I'm spiritually stronger than I ever have been. It's not too late. We can do that. But what does it take? It takes us following the example of Jesus and finding that solitary place. Here's the thing. Most of us go through life thinking that our thoughts control us. We are slaves to our minds and our thinking, but that is not true. We can control our mind. And whenever we're tempted to go to that lonely place, we can say, no, no, I'm not going to go to that lonely place where I focus on my unmet wants and needs. I'm going to focus on the positive to think about what I do have that sustains me. I'm going to experience solitude instead of that other thing. We have power over that, don't you see? I remember vividly the day that I learned this lesson. I was, in, uh, <clears throat> I was seeking some spiritual direction, and my spiritual director was there in front of me, and I was, I don't know, I was long about, must have been around 30 years old or something, and I was feeling a little bit sorry for myself. Uh, especially related to the area of loneliness. I was like, well, you know, maybe shouldn't I be married by now? I'm 30 years old. And I remember what my spiritual director said. He said something about solitude, and I was like, solitude? I mean, I'm already lonely. What? What?" He said, oh, you don't understand the difference between solitude and loneliness. I was like, huh? (laughs) He said, well, try something. Will you try something? And I said, okay, I'll try something. He said, you see that candle over there? There was a candle burning on one of the tables. And I said, yeah. He said, I want you to spend just a couple of minutes and really look at that flame. And not just look at that flame, but imagine yourself being that flame. I was like, okay, this is crazy. That's weird. All right, whatever. Okay, I'll do it. Okay, just for fun. Whatever, I'll do it. And so I imagined for the next couple of minutes myself looking at the flame But not only that, but being that flame. And as I imagined myself as the flame, I was dancing. And I don't dance. You you don't want to see me dance. (laughs) But as the flame, I I was dancing. And I was vibrant. And I was uninhibited. And I was alive. And I came out of that saying, I see what you mean. I want some more solitude. Why do we live as if we don't have power when the power of the Most High God lives right there inside us in the form of the Holy Spirit? Why do we imagine we don't have power? As the prophet Isaiah wrote, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They shall soar on wings like eagles. 
They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And may it be so with you. Thanks for listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.